Praise the Lord from Pastor Strader at Lighthouse Church. Thanks for connecting with us through our podcast. Our prayer is that it's a blessing to you as we try to reach, equip, and mobilize Jesus' name disciples in Apache Junction, Arizona, and the surrounding region. Enjoy today's podcast and come back often. God bless you. We love you. you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Amen. If you have your Bibles, and if you would turn with me to the 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 2 Corinthians and chapter 12. If you have your Bible, say amen. amen. All right. There's a few of us. I encourage you to bring your Bibles to church. There's going to be a day where we will no longer have the privilege and we will be dependent on what is in our heart, in our minds. Amen. 2 Corinthians 12 and uh, verse number 5. I'm going to be speaking this morning on this topic, powerful limitations. Powerful limitations. And verse 5 reads like this, Of such and one will I glory. Yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. Very common passages of scripture that we read quite often. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. What, what, is, what is Paul doing here? He's, he's humbling himself. He's pushing himself further down. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in my flesh. He says, hey, I've even had some things that I've dealt with in my life. The messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice. He said, I I prayed about this three times that it might depart from me. God, take it away. And what did God say? My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Last verse. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then am I strong. Amen. Powerful limitations. Turn to your neighbor and say, I've got some limitations. And one limitation might be that you're a little sleepy today. Well, let's try to shake ourselves and and stay awake this morning if you would. Praise God. Amen. You may be seated, but not asleep. (laughs) praise God I love reading about the Apostle Paul and recently I've I've been had the privilege to dive a little bit deeper into the epistles and into the letters of the to the churches that Paul wrote in doing some training that I'm personally doing from from myself and uh, the Apostle Paul is arguably the most influential Christian in history. From his zealous 
Pharisee background to his dramatic and miraculous conversion to his prolific ministry of enduring writings, Paul has shaped our understanding of how the gospel is to be lived out like no one else. He performed through God miracles. He started churches. He ministered to both Jewish and Gentile audiences in ways very could, very few could do at the time. And he was well educated in both the Greek and in the Hebrew, uh, Jewish and Roman cultures, and in the Sakonic philosophy. He could not. He could minister to almost anyone in the empire at that time. That's major amounts of influence. Um, Let's just put it this way. Paul was no slacker. But Paul was a very educated man, a very well-known individual, uh, and one who, when he spoke, even if they disagreed, they listened. But we, we really can't relate in a personal way to any of those things because the fact is, is that we will never walk down the same path that Paul walked. We are in a different part of Bible and the prophecies in which we will walk down, Paul will not walk down. And we definitely will not walk down the path that he did. There is, however, one area we can relate because it touches all of us and that is living and leading with limitations. What is a limitation? It is a limiting rule or circumstance, a restriction. Now, I believe that I could go around this sanctuary this morning, starting with myself, and work my way around, and I believe that each and every one of you could label or name a limitation. Now, somebody in here might say, well, I don't have any limitations. Bless God. (laughs) Francisco's smiling at me. I believe even Brother Francisco would say, I've got some limitations. Uh, I believe everybody in here would admit that there's something in life that has been a restriction for you. For some, you're not as educated as others. For some, you don't speak as well as other people. You may have a speech impediment. Perhaps a limitation of a physical, a physical limitation. It could be a health-related limitation. It, it could be a, a limitation that is self-inflicted of sluggardness or slackness or laziness. But the reality is, is that we all live with a limitation. If you have a limitation, won't you just raise your hand and admit it? Sister Parker raised both of her hands and put her toes in the air. <laughs> I should have both of my hands lifted because I've got limitations. And and I'm not afraid to admit that because the fact of it is, is Paul himself, a mighty man of God, if you know anything about Scripture, you know that Paul was a mighty man of God. If you know anything about the majority of the New Testament, the epistles and all of the, the writings to the churches, you know that Paul was a man of conviction. He was a blunt man. In fact, there were, there's, a, there's one book in the Bible where uh, we're going to talk about where he was probably more blunt than he was in other chapters, and we'll talk about that. But Paul experienced numerous limitations having to support himself in his 
missionary endeavors at times by making tents. We find that in Acts 18. Oh, well, you would think with the knowledge that Paul had, he had all the money in the world. Sorry. No. Having no place to preach because he had been kicked out of synagogues as a troublemaker in Acts 13 and chapter 18. He had opposition from false teachers, legalists, and Jewish and Christian leaders who belittled his work or authority in Acts 13. He was deserted by his fellow workers even in 2 Timothy chapter 1. He had physical suffering. He had weariness and pain and hunger and thirst and cold and nakedness and beatings and imprisonments and stonings and shipwrecks in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He had confinement at the end of his life, limited his movement in Acts 28, 20, and 30. And in 2 Corinthians 12 and 7, what we read, he had a thorn in his flesh that God would not remove from him. Has anybody in this place ever had a prayer left unanswered? Every hand would go up. That we've had a prayer unanswered. Perhaps it was a physical element. Perhaps it was a family-related situation. Fill in the blank. Everybody in here has something that God has said no. (laughs) It was a thorn in his flesh. And in Galatians 6 and verse 11, we see that Paul, for one reason or the other, he does not have his ammunitious or his writing secretary to dictate the letter to of Galatians. And, and we find that in chapter 6 and verse 11. And uh, typically he would have this writing secretary to dictate what he was speaking. And, and at times, uh, based on what we read, uh, that writing secretary would be like, are you sure that's how you want to word it? I won't go in detail. You can read Galatians 6. But it, he talks about even castration. Very bluntly, he says, you might as well become like, if you're going to, you know, we won't go into all the details. You know what I'm talking about. But there was a layer of filter that was gone in Galatians that he did not, that that was there in all the other writings. We see that he even wrote, he goes as far to say in Galatians 6 and 11, you see how large a letter I have written unto you with mine own hand. He said, I'm writing this myself. I'm not writing this through my writing secretary. but it, So I, I begin to ask, well, why, why would Paul not wait for someone to dictate to? But it was perhaps due to the urgency of the time that he write to the Galatians himself. It is suspected that Paul's handicap of blindness or glaucoma is seen where he himself had to write in of course, you saw it in large letter, in big letters, closely to see the words. Yet he writes as God wills. There was something in his spirit that said, I know I've got some type of weakness or limitation, whether it be glaucoma or, or some type of blindness, but even if I've got to write it in big letters, I'm going to write it because God has told me about an urgency that I must write to Galatians. And so uh, we, we realize and through all of the various situations of Paul, I could spend a whole hour t- probably talking about the various limitations that we see in Scripture. Uh, uh, one of which I found was just so surprising to me was that uh, Paul was a, sh- a very short individual, but yet his name, 
when his parents gave him the name that he was supposed to be a very tall individual. And it is said that Paul walked with a limp all of his life. And there's scripture to refer to, to that. And so there were physical limitations. There's books and, 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 and history that, that indicate that Paul was not a very handsome individual. Well, it doesn't probably matter per se, but the fact of it is is that he had limitations. And life is all about limitations. You see, the waterway with no banks becomes a stagnant pond. But the waterway with narrowed banks flows powerfully. It is not the sail alone that makes the kite fly, but it is the stream anchoring it to the earth, enabling it to soar. You, that kite can say, well, I want to go up there. Well, if I cut this string, you see, you're going to spin out of control. The acceptance of a limitation, church, is the key to the one who will endure. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to endure to the end. And, and, and the fact of it is, is God strategically, I believe, gives us limitations for various reasons. But a lot of the time, He says, listen, I'm going to give you a limitation so that when you soar as a kite would soar, it's not you just up there flapping your wings, but you look and you see an anchor that's holding on, and an anchor that's pulling back at times, saying, oh, no, 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 you can't go that high just yet. But God, you don't understand. I, I've got a ministry. You don't understand. I feel called to do this or that. Pull back. Why are you pulling me back? Why are you pulling the reins on me? Because if we do not have limitations, it would be you doing it and not the anchor. It would be you doing it and not the wind. It would be of your ability and not the ability of that string to keep you in the air, to fly. It is about limitations. We find limitations all throughout Scripture. Moses had a stubborn people. Gideon with his fear. Samuel with his youth. David and his Goliath. Jeremiah, his unpopularity. Jesus, his cross. John, his Patmos. And Paul, his thorn. And yet in each case, it was not in spite of, but because of. Huh. Listen to that. It was not in spite of, but because of the limitation that God's work moved forward. We In life, we have two choices. We either live by our own strength, or by God's grace. There's two choices. You live by God's grace, or you wake up every day with your own strength. And grace's condition is that it will only work within the weak. Now, I know a lot of us don't like the idea of thinking that we are weak. Especially men. Don't call me weak. I'll... Slap you upside the head so fast it'll make don't don't belittle my ability. Don't, you know. That's why a lot of guys don't use GPS or instructions. They too prideful for that mess. Or I don't need the, the instructions. I can figure this out myself. And the wife the whole time is 
Won't you just read the manual? I got this. I don't need no manual. Or uh, need to get that refrigerator up on the truck. Won't you call somebody to help? Won't you ask a neighbor? Nah, I got it. I can take care of it. Don't you worry. I don't have a limitation of strength. Don't you know I would it'd be a shame to ask a man for help to lift the refrigerator onto the truck. We have two choices. But when it comes to the things of God, he prefers the weak. He prefers the vessels with limitations. Well, I can't speak well. Perfect. Well, I, I, I have a limp. That's okay. I have a physical limitation. That's okay. I have an academic limitation. That's all right. The problem with this, though, is, and I have somewhat of a problem, we talked about this yesterday, is that so many times we use that as an excuse to be lazy. Oh, well, I, I'm not educated, so that's my limitation. Well, then go out and try to get educated. There ain't nobody telling you you can't go open a book. Well, I can't read. Well, find somebody to teach you to help you to read. It's it's all. I've always said this. I said this all my. It's okay not to know something, but it is not okay to continue not to know. Once you come to a revelation that I have a weakness, we need to be very intentional in investing to improve, and not be lazy or slothful or be a sluggard in these things, and especially when we're doing things for the kingdom of God. It does not have to be the best, but it has to be our best. If you're going to sing on the platform, you ought to try your best to sing with excellence. We're not asking you to, to be America's next idol. But what we're asking you to be is to invest in your own ministry so that God can better use you in that ministry. If you're going to be used in the gift of playing of a musical instrument, it'd be kind of a good thing if maybe if you have a weakness in that area, you invest in your ministry. If you're going to be a preacher, you're going to be a speaker, and you don't know all the Bible storage, and you don't know all the things about uh, Bible history, and you don't know anything about hermeneutics or, or homiletics, it'd be kind of a good thing for you to kind of dive into these things. <laughs> it's all right not to know. But it is laziness to continue not to know. And in and, and speaking in context to the thorn in his flesh, Paul says, I prayed for its removal three times, yet God did not remove it. Instead, we read, and he tells Paul, and he said, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Meaning that if I'm strong, the power of God cannot rest. But when I am weak, that is when the power of God can rest upon me. So, you know what? Don't take glory when you're good at something. Oh, you think you're a good speaker? Be careful. You think you're a good leader? Be careful. You think you're good at whatever it is? It's all right to say, you know what? I'm I'm decent at that. God's gifted me and... Education, or God's gifted me, and you fill in the blank at, at masonry or carpentry or whatever. It's all right to say I'm, I'm pretty decent at that, but to get up there and to kind of cross your arms and say I know it and nobody else does—that that's very foolish. And God simply will not use it. Cannot. There, there's a lot of people 
that could sing, could play, could preach, could teach, could study, could do all, could could clean, could do sound, could do all the things, could uh, greet, could all the things of the church a lot better than the people in this church probably, including myself. But the fact of it is, is God does not call the qualified, but He equips the called. So just because you don't have the ability doesn't mean you can't be called. In fact, when you don't have the ability, you are primed for a calling. And then whenever God calls you, just like David, He will begin to equip you with the talents and the abilities and the knowledge and the boldness and the strength and the wisdom. But, but don't, don't, don't be careful to get a big head. So through his limitations, the power of God rested upon Paul. And so we read, we've read it, he takes pleasure in infirmities. Because he knows that as long as I'm weak, he makes me strong. He knows that I am the most powerful witness. I am the most powerful servant of God when I am weak. I, I, I'm, I'm more used of God in my limitations than I am on my best day without limitations. Having a limitation does not necessarily mean a liability. And so many times we look at people as a liability. Well, they don't have this or they don't have that. We see this a lot when people get behind or get on the platform and they begin to sing or they begin to play. And we begin to, we begin to kind of think, well, they have no talent. They should not be up there. Well... The fact of it is, in some cases, you may be right. But when it comes to the things of God, it's not surrounded by talent. Now, I believe we ought to do it. I said it before. I'll keep saying it. we got to do it the best of our ability. And we should use the best of our talent in the best role for them. Not everybody's going to sing. Not everybody's going to preach. Not everybody's going to teach. Not everybody's going to be a Sunday school teacher. Not everybody's going to be a greeter. Not everybody's going to have that personality, but th th those that do can be used in that way. But, but just because you have that ability doesn't, or don't have that ability doesn't make you a liability. I would rather have you with your availability and keep your, li your liability than to have all the talents in the world and someone who doesn't have availability. A lot of people say, well, I have the ability. Why don't you ask me? Because you're not faithful. <laughs> the Bible says you be faithful in the small things and he'll make you ruler over the, the larger things. We can't expect to be used on, 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 on the stage or on the platform or in the things of God or in, in ministry in any way when we're not even faithful in the private things of our life. And, and so it's not your liability that's the problem. It's your spirit that's the problem. Hmm. God Help me to keep my spirit right. Help me to keep my spirit pure. Help me to keep my intentions pure. My motives pure. Help me to keep my spirit of God and not of the enemy. Don't ever let me become so big-headed and high-minded that I can't be used of God. Because you can just be like Saul, the King Saul, and think more of yourself than you ought to think. And God will say, all right, I'll find somebody else. Oh, yeah. He'll find another Sunday school teacher if he has to. 
He'll find another pastor if he has to. He'll find another worship leader if he has to. He'll find another, you fill in the blank, if he has to. Because if we remain with this attitude that it's us that's doing it. Well, I preached that message, so that's why the power of God fell. I'm sorry, sir or ma'am, that's not true. Well, I was singing, I was playing, or I, 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 get rid of that I stuff. It's all about Jesus. Now, he did use you. You were a conduit for it to happen. But it wasn't because of you. In fact, it was just God using you or me. It's never us. In Exodus 4, Moses exposes his limitation very clearly. He goes as far to tell God, I have never been eloquent, an eloquent speaker. He says, I'm slow of speech and tongue. I have no business leading your people. I have no business, business going to Pharaoh. There's a lot of other men who have a better ability than I do. I'm a liability. Don't you understand? <laughs> He's shaking his head. I am a liability. Whew. I love God because when he sees a liability, he sees a diamond in the rough. He says, oh, you may see it as a liability, but I see it as a diamond. And so God's response says, says it all when he says, who gave human beings their mouths? I mean, if that was ever a mic drop moment of God, it was a mic drop moment. When Moses said, well, I'm, I'm not eloquent in speech. My mouth doesn't work properly. He said, well, who made your mouth? Did you make it? He says, who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? <laughs> he said, you're focusing on the wrong problem. The problem is not your speech. The problem is your availability. The problem is your spirit. In 2 Kings 4, we know well the story how God allowed oil to be multiplied into as many vessels as they had. But without the limitation of oil, we would have never had the story in Scripture. The miracle of the oil vessels would have never taken place. We were sitting there asking and boo-hooing and crying, God, why don't I have the money? God, why don't I have the talent? God, why don't I have whatever? God just sit up there. When you stop crying and boo-hooing and feeling sorry for yourself, that's when we'll begin to do something together. <laughs> and it, it, it's, so, it's so interesting to me how we depend on our own ability, especially when it comes to finances. Especially when it comes to money. God begins to move upon us about something that we ought to do, to give, to sacrifice, and immediately something rises up in us because we know the facts of reality that bills are due. And, and, and in our head, we, you know, we've got the budget. And we've got it, but the, the problem in with the budget is, is there's a line that no budget has, and that is God. <laughs> there's a budget that can be an income, that can be a surplus, that, that we don't see in the physical. And so when people are, are trying to, to, to come up with a, a sacrificial number or offering, so many times we, we tap into the carnal nature of man and not the spiritual. 
Because God's going to tell you to give something that you don't already have. He does. And, and, and it's going to be it's going to be tough to step out in faith. And we can preach it, we can teach it, we can scream it, we can holler it whenever we're singing about it, that God, uh, uh, God can do anything and he, there's nothing he cannot do and, and bless God he can use me in my limitations and all the things that we sing and preach about, run the aisles about, weep about. But then when it comes time, when the rubber hits the road and we're given the opportunity to do so, I hear brakes. If God can heal cancer, if God can heal a blocked heart vein in Sister Walker's heart, if God can miraculously touch hearts and remove cancers from individuals in this sanctuary, if God can do all of those things, why can he not bless you financially? It's not that God can't, and it's not that God won't. It's that we tie his hands by our lack of faith. Amen. Without the limitation of oil, that miracle would have never been possible. But because there was a lady who had no money, no oil, nothing to sow for, there was, there was people coming to take her son. She said, I have nothing. And that's when God said, great, I can do a, wor- a miracle. I can do something where you can stand up and hold a mic and say, I got a testimony. I didn't have it, but God. Between the ages of 15 and 19, David slays Goliath, but not without first facing one of his own limitations. He was not a skilled warrior at this time of 15 to 19 years old. When King Saul offered him his tunic, his helmet, his armor, and a sword, I imagine that there was a good bit of pressure on David to kind of fit into the mold. Fit into what man saw as qualified. I imagine the thought may have even gone through his head that perhaps his experience wasn't enough for a warrior of this magnitude. Else, why did he allow Saul to clothe him with his armor in the first place? Perhaps he was just kind of trying to be accommodating. But I believe that there was something in David's mind that, well, they're pushing it so hard. Maybe, maybe I just, I'll try it. And, and so he, he got on this limitation and he said, ah, this doesn't feel right. I have not tried it. I have not proven it. And so I can't fit into your mold. And God used David's limitation to lead him to one of the greatest victories in the Bible. Everybody from a little wee child to a grown adult knows about David and Goliath. You don't even have to be in church very long to know about David and Goliath. But if it had not been for a limitation, there would have never been a David and Goliath. What is it in your life that if it hadn't been for a limitation, God would have never done a work? What is it in this church that without a limitation, God will not work? And so we cannot look at through human eyes or through human uh, spirits, but we got to look through, or carnal spirits, but we got to look through the Spirit of the Holy Ghost. Because this is what the carnal nature says. Everybody still with me? Raise your hand if you're still with me. Praise God. Amen. Everybody's awake. You just woke up. Amen. This is what the world loves to tell us. 
I know this is a little different this morning, but I'm, I'm trying to just give you what has been laid on my heart. It says, you are your greatest asset. This is what they teach. In business school, in marketing, you are your greatest asset. At my own job, they have said that line. You are your greatest asset. All about you. Put your time, effort, and money into training, grooming, encouraging your greatest asset. That's what Tom Hopkins said. You are the greatest asset. So spend everything you can investing in yourself. But Paul's praise toward God noticeably intensified in his letters as he neared his reward. This is, I wish I could word it in the way that I feel it in my heart. But he, his admiration of God grew in direct inverse magnitude to his own self-estimation. <laughs> the less that he saw of himself even though through he started churches after church after church, even though he wrote letter after letter after letter, even though he did great things after great things and had some miracles and testimonies and been beaten and shipwrecked, after all of these things, he lowered himself. But in turn, as he lowered himself, God became to be magnified. This is the beauty about the progress of Paul. That in 1 Corinthians 15, this is early in his apostolic career, approximately A.D. 57. He writes that, this is what came directly from Scripture. He writes that he was the least of the apostles. Everybody with me? The least of the apostles. See these apostles? These are great men of God, dignitaries, smart, used of the Lord. They're apostles. I'm the least of those. I'm the least of those. And, and I, I begin to ask, why, why, why would Paul? It is it's said that Paul felt this way because he was a crucifier, whereas all these other men were not. And so he said, I am the least of the apostles. It is only by the God's grace that I even am here. And so even though I may be doing some good things, I am the least of all of them. <laughs> I'm the least of the apostles. And then in the next line he wrote, but... By the grace of God, I am what I am. So he says, I'm the least upon the apostles, and he gives praise to God. I am what I am because of God and the grace of God. But then he goes on and goes on to praise God by saying, but by the grace of God, I am that I am. And then later in A.D. 62, later on in his life, he writes the epistle to the Ephesians. In 3 and verse 8, Ephesians 3 and 8, that he was the least, hear it, of all saints. Well, wait a second. Just, just a little while ago, you were the least among the apostles. He says, I've even got smaller. I'm no longer just the least among the apostles. I don't even just, I don't, I, now I don't even compare myself with the pastors and the dignitaries and those on the platform and those with the certificates and the licenses and all. I, I, I'm least among the saints. Whew, that's powerful. I'm the least among the saints. And immediately after this, he spoke 
of the unsearchable riches of Christ. He says, I'm the least among the saints in this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. A little bit more praise to God. And then at the very near, I'm almost finished this morning, near the very end of his life, in approximately two years later after he said, least of the saints. Paul's approaching the end of his life and he stated that among the sinners, first it was the apostles, then it was the saints. And then at the end of his life he says, among the sinners, I am chief. That is powerful, church. However, after writing this, he gave perhaps the highest praise ever written by a mortal pen to God in 1 Timothy chapter 1. And he wrote, after he said, I, I am among sinners the chief. He said, now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God to be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. He went from being the least of the apostles with small praise to God. And then we see himself taking a further step down as the least among the saints. But the praise gets to God gets greater. And then you get to the very end of Paul's life and he doesn't even consider himself to be the least among the apostles or even the least among the saints. But he is the chiefest of sinners. The lower Paul went in his own estimation, the greater God becomes in his life. The world would tell you, church, that you are your greatest asset, but God calls us to a spirit of humility. Humility, something Paul had to wrestle with his entire life. We see that in his writings. Because no doubt he was a great man. No doubt he probably was the smartest in the room many of times. No doubt he had the credentials no doubt he had the, the right. But he said, no. You see those sinners? I'm the chief of the sinners. I am the biggest of the sinners. And it's only by the grace and the mercy of God that I'm even able to stand in the presence of the Lord God Almighty. And so I call us this morning as we stand. I call us today to a spirit of humility a spirit of humility I don't know what you've personally been going through or what you are facing or what God is speaking to you about but I do believe that there is somebody in this place today that you have struggled with some limitations of your own self and they have begun to prohibit God's ability to fully use you in the way that He desires to use you. And it is the enemy's business to convince you that you cannot because of it. But God is standing and He's given us an example as of Paul, as of David, 
as of Moses. You've got it all wrong. It's not in spite of your limitation. It's because of your limitation that I will use you. That I will use you to do great exploits in the kingdom of God. So what is it? What is it that you have been that's been hindering you from stepping into a role of ministry that you know without a shout of a doubt that God is calling you into. What is that limitation? Because the reality is if we will give that limitation to God and not hoard it, God will take it and use it for good. God can take someone who doesn't know anything about Scripture, doesn't know anything about the Bible, doesn't know anything about ministry, doesn't know anything about anything of church, could fill them with the Holy Ghost, put a Bible in their hand, and put them in a pulpit. That's the way God does it. That's the way God chooses to do it. He's the one that decides. Can we lift our hands? Can we close our eyes? Can you? This altar is open if you would like to come. If you have some limitations today. I, I, I ask that maybe we'd come and ask the Lord, Lord, use the limitations in my life. God, humble myself. Humble me down to the place where it is you that is magnified and not me. It's never about me, but it's all about you. God, equip me with the talents, the abilities to do what you have called me to do.
Let's all raise our hands and just love the Lord here this morning and thank God for his word. Thank for him for the ability he has given us and not complain about what we don't have. Let's thank God for what we do have. Hallelujah. My God, you're able, Lord. You're able. You're able, God. Take us, Lord, and use us, oh, God, in, in the ability that you've given us, Lord. I appreciate all that you've done, all you're doing, and all you're going to do. And I'm asking, Lord, right now that you would stretch forth your mighty hand into the remainder of this service, oh, God, and speak to every heart and every life, God, and let them know, God, that you're there to help them in their 
abilities, God, and their disabilities. I know, God, that that you are the all-powerful and almighty. And, God, you're the one that anoints, and you're the one that gives the abilities, and you're the one that takes care of us, God. And and I'm praying right now, God, that you would stretch forth your hand. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I praise you and thank you, oh, God, for this service and ask you, God, to continue to move in every heart and every life and watch over us and keep us and bring us back again to the next appointed service in Jesus' mighty name. Let's just raise our hands and love the Lord one more time and thank God for what he has done. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. And it is good to see Sister Mecca back. Amen. Praise God. You are this.